This is the Safari. The Safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer, brand, and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. So everyone likes to say that wholesale is a problem, that retail is a problem, and everyone's focused on the internet. Well, Heath Wells is the CEO and founder of co-founder of New Order, uh, which is a digital showroom. They have 500,000 retailers on the platform that by using their iPad-driven and computer-driven showroom that allows one to easily order in, in a very visual way uh, the products that, um, that are available from brands and they sit in the middle and act as the clearinghouse. And so I think his uh, main message is get off Excel and come on to New Order. And um, I'm really... I'm really interested in hearing what he has to say about the evolution, A, of his platform, but uh, B, of the industry who are recognizing that wholesale is actually incredibly important. Let's get started. Welcome to New Order. If you know your party's extension, you may dial it. Heath, it's Morty. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well. And you? Doing amazing, actually. So first of all, um, you know, before we kick into it, it's so good to hear your voice. It's been a long time. I know, mate. I've forgotten what you sound like. <laughs> actually, I jumped on. I can't remember. I'm like, uh, what, what accent uh, am well, I going to get? There we go. So we, everyone's going to have to hear an English accent and an Aussie, and, uh, and there we go. So let's just jump right in. I've always been a huge fan of New Order and the way you have basically made uh, wholesale, frankly, fun and interesting and dynamic. And um, I really would like to sort of shine a light on the history, uh, where you've come from, because you, you didn't start this company yesterday, and um, and how the pr the progression has happened, and really, you know, the the problems you're solving. And um, so, first, I just give everyone a little bit of background on yourself uh, and. Uh, What's your name? Where do you come from? Yeah, so name is uh, Heath Wells, um, resident Aussie in the uh, in the New Order office. The other co-founder is Australian. He's my wife as well, Olivia. And uh, and essentially, we you know we had a digital agency before that in the United States. And how it came about was we were working on the B two C side of e-commerce. And working with brands, um, you actually saw that the wholesale side of their business was one, probably bigger in a lot of cases, and two, was far more antiquated. Um, and so we went on this kind of journey to say, okay, how do we you know, disrupt what is a very, very backward process of printed catalogs, printed line sheets? Uh, scratched orders on carbon copy bits of paper and how do we digitize that just as we're so used to as consumers shopping online. 
Why can't we have that on the B2B side? And that, that was the whole genesis. Um, you mentioned it in your, you know, kind of preamble there is, is that someone said it was, you know, a 10 year overnight success. And, you know, we started this in 2012, late 2011, early 2012. And to be honest, it, we've just been waiting for the market to catch up. And it's the last 18, 24 months that have just gone gangbusters. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, one of the things that I, I find so interesting about uh, the media party line, uh, which then gets sort of pushed into industry or into the consumer's mind, um, but in this case, the consumer being the industry, um, is that, you know, certain things are binary. Uh, that in the age of e-commerce, the retail, physical retail's dead, the department store's dead, wholesale's dead. And it, yeah, I find it incredibly frustrating because I think that to run a business in a steady, sustainable way, you have to work across all areas and be relatively expert in many different areas. And throwing the baby out with the bathwater saying, you know, I'm not going to wholesale anymore uh, when it's such a profitable channel when done properly um, is, is crazy. So how do, you, um, how do you react to what I just said and, and what sort of people say about uh, various channels of distribution and how that affects your business and how you're actually the solution maybe in part to some of it. Yeah, look, we we hear constantly, I think retail is dead is, is you know, uh, a great tagline for media, but um, the reality is it's far from it. And we see that in our own data. So it's not just anecdotal, this is data. And kind of let me back that up for a second. So we have 500,000 retailers who are using the platform. And that's a number that people find hard to get their head around. But the reality is, is retail is everywhere. And retail is growing and changing. It's just not what it was, you know, call it, you know, even years back. And so I think there is definitely a shift, but people are still buying, people are still shopping, and it's just changed. And to kind of give you some understanding of that is that, you know, one of our strong areas is activewear. And when you look at the explosion of, you know, yoga studios or fitness studios just globally, they're all retail outlets. And if a brand just needs to think and needs to probably change how they're approaching retail, that's probably the better method than just saying, okay, you know, wholesale is dead and now I'm going to be moving to, to other forms because that just doesn't work. And, you know, a, a thing that we always see is that there's a symbiotic relationship between wholesale and direct-to-consumer. Um, and I'm sure you see this as well, is that yeah, they lift each other. You, need to be, you need to be in a lot of different uh, outlets. So when you uh, are a brand and you're trying to generate awareness and you, you know, you're wanting to kind of capture mindshare, um, you need to be, you know, let's say you're uh, a brand, you need to be in Saks and you need to be in Nordstrom and you need to be in, you know, premium outlets, plus you also need, you know, boutique distribution. So then when the customer's out there, they may discover your brand, they may buy your brand, and there's no reason why then they may go on to, you know, to your online store and, you know, make a direct consumer's purchase. But they all are intertwined and, you know, I don't think brands fully grasp that right now. I think that they are, you know, jumping uh, maybe way too quickly to the other side. Yeah, no, I think that the brands think of the customer as, as relatively, uh, well, in a relatively binary way. They're either like our brand or they don't. But the truth is, is that 
there are, within the people who do like the brand or know the brand, they'd like to shop in different ways. And, and if they can have the choice, um, I think it's incredibly important for, to be able to give them that. Interestingly, you say that the lift of the brand, you know, the digital lift and the, the wholesale lift or even the, the, the physical retail lift, you know, for decades it's been, you know, gospel within uh, I think most part of, of the industry that – that would say that if Macy's has a guest store uh, or uh, exposure within their their store and guess the brand opens in the mall, the guest business in the Macy's department store will increase because it's like a billboard. Um, doesn't mean that the guest store in the mall won't get any business. It will have people who want to work with them. And, and similarly, when Ralph Lauren opened his first stores and Coach opened stores and all these brands opened stores, it was a rising tide because of the symbio symbiosis, as you say, uh, of, of the brands. So, um, so I couldn't agree more. So tell me a little bit about the, uh, the platform itself. So do, tell people about you know, what happens, who's using it, uh, how, mm. how do they interact with it? How are you making their life so much easier? Because I've, I've had some experience with it. People absolutely adore it. It's, it's really something that has, you know, almost, um, you know, taken the pencil and thrown it in the garbage. I mean, it's, it's really made things yeah. fluid. And I know there's so, so many bells and whistles to this thing, but at its simplest form, um, who, who's, whose job are you making easier? Yeah. So, so we have to solve um, two sides of the equation. So we are a platform that allows a brand to uh, eliminate, as you kind of mentioned, you know, pen, paper, you know, God forbid the fax machine, but, you know, all of those things that are still in existence. And we digitize that. So think of it like a digital catalog. So a brand will upload a digital catalog that it then enables sales teams who work for that brand to be able to sell from that digital catalog. And that digital catalog is always live, right? So you've got live inventory, you've got changes going into, uh, into, the, into the catalog, whether it be delivery dates or maybe there's a color or fabrication change. So everything is pushed through to the sales team who is obviously out in the market trying to present that product. So really, it's about sales enablement as the first phase. How do we help reps sell more with less effort? And then the next phase of that is on the retail side, is how do we allow a retailer to not have to pick up the phone, not have to send in Excel sheets, and how do we allow them to uh, create an order, maybe on their, you know, on their own momentum, maybe it's a refill. I'm a, you know, let's say I'm a retailer, I buy Tom's shoes, I've sold out of this style on Saturday. My rep is not working on a Saturday. How do I refill that? And how do I know that the inventory is there? How do I know when it's going to be delivered? All of those things. So essentially by eliminating the inefficiencies of the industry, we allow both sides to be able to conduct wholesale in a digital manner. You know, to kind of give you some magnitude, you know, we're doing 26 billion of, of order volume. That's no, no small number. Um, and you know, this is not just a North American problem, you know, so just to, just to stop now, there for a second. So just to, to let's, let's let that sink in $27 billion of orders flow through new order every year. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So we're 27 billion in total. We're trending, we've done 50% of it though in the last year. So we're at, you know, call it 13, 14 billion. We will do but just this year alone. And, oh, interesting. And that's still a huge number. That's unbelievable. And so, and, and the trajectory, 
that, and you're probably obviously given the scale of of what retail is in this country and around the world. You're, I assume, scratching the surface of your addressable market. Well, that's the interesting part, right? Is that you would think that uh, you know this is such an obvious play, um, but it is. It's taken a little bit of time, and still, the majority of the industries that we operate in. Um, they are still doing things in, in Excel. And, um, you know, we are the first kind of solution that they are considering for the sales enablement or in the retail side for how a retail procures inventory and how do they assort, you know, what they're going to buy, et cetera. And so the, the person within a retailer that's really having a more fluid time of it is is the buyer, is it the whole the buying teams in general, yeah. or is there a link in? Is there is there are there any tools that sort of link in other elements or other people from the organisation or, or into um, into using New Order? Yeah. So so on the retailer side, it's definitely the buying teams that we you know we'll call our champions. They're the people who really like it, and the buying team is. Obviously, typically a buyer and then also a planner. And um, they could be the same person wearing two hats, but, you know, you, you know, we kind of solve for those two different workflows. Um, for a smaller retailer, um, we have a very lightweight version of our product. And, you know, that's what, you know, out of 500,000 retailers, that's what the majority is using. And then we have an enterprise-grade platform for, uh, for big box retail. And that has more cross-brand assortment. So um, that is informing other teams on where do we want allocation. So it's, hey, I'm buying this theory dress, I'm buying this uh, this dress, and you know we start to go through uh, an Alice and Olivia and all the various contemporary brands, and then you're able to see what at a even at a store level or any data point what it looks like, and so you can then see um, you know. For some reason, my Siri has just started, but there we are. Um, you know, you can see at any data point what is, um, you know, what that roll-up is going to be like. And so if, if the um, historical day-to-day uh, uh, -day or, or the, the average year of a, of a buyer uh, or even a seller is to uh, obviously have people to the showroom, the physical showroom, and oftentimes run around the world uh, on expensive flights and hotel rooms and the rest of it to have to go to these massive trade shows. Um, what's your take on the trade show? And, and, and uh, do you use or do you provide your platform in trade show? Are, are you a competitor to trade shows? Or are you actually going to make trade shows better? Or is it both? So I, I don't think trade shows are going to go anywhere. I think that there's too many of them right now, to be brutally honest. Um, I think that uh, people are going to fewer shows. Um, what we've done is, uh, you know, we partner with some of the trade shows, and you know, they're very good, you know, very good and close contacts of ours. Um, what we believe is the trade show solves a really important problem, which is touching and feeling human relationship. I think that the human element. That's a long way away to, to from being removed. And I think people need to look each other in the eye. They need to know that, you know, what is the trust there? And then more importantly, what is the vision of the brand? Um, and they only, you know, that's very, very hard to sometimes get just strictly through digital. 
Mm-hmm. But those trade shows are, are for a finite amount of days. So, you know, we live in a world where we should be on 365 days a year and that trade show is solving that purpose that may only be a couple of days twice a year. So we're talking, you know, 10 days a year. And, and that's what we're really seeing is brands are traveling less, buyers are traveling less, they're doing the key shows, they're seeing the key partners, and then for the other, call it other 330, 40 days a year, they really utilize our tool. Yeah. So we kind of believe that we go hand in hand. Um, you know, we do also believe there's a, there's a play here um, to enhance a trade show. I think trade shows are very overwhelming for people. They walk in the door and they say, you know, I've got to see, you know, all my core brands and how do I have time to go and see newness? And, you know, we've created what we call an online trade show. And essentially it's a uh, marketplace discovery process allowing a retailer to come on and say, hey, I'm really interested in, you know, active wear for women and, you know, I'm looking for price points below 200 retail and what brands sell that globally. And so brands are able to upload products into that and, you know, utilize it as a discovery mechanism. Yeah. So speaking of partnerships, um, as you just did, there's also a, a topic that I'm really interested in is the partnership between the merchant retailer and the brand. Um, presumably because of you being this clearinghouse of all this activity uh, and touch point between retailer and brand, can you talk a little bit about um, the learnings of where you see the feedback that brands can get from A, the retailer, but B, all of the retailers through New Order, through one platform to say, look, based on the data, um, these styles or this kind of cut or this color or this you know, uh, series of, of categories um, are really something you guys should double down on. I mean, can, are you able to give some feedback to what might influence the next season or seasons? Yeah. So, so let's kind of... Um you know, maybe double click into a few of those those points is that um, brands, uh, you know, they obviously have to create their own point of view. I think that um, it is a, uh, a a dance that needs to happen where a retailer will say to you, "This is the trend. This is where we're going," and you need to take that into account. But at the same time, a brand needs to have their own. You know, they're they're here for a reason, and they need to have their own point of view. So I, you know, I think it's about okay. What is the retailer telling me? What are the trends? I will tell you that the big box retailers that we work with put together a trend forecast of what they're looking for in market. And if I was operating a brand, I'd be getting that information as quick as possible. So what is the trend? Is it animal prints? Is it florals? Do we have anything that services that? If we don't. Would we be interested in doing maybe some special product? Um, I think that's that's something where brands can get really informed from a retailer about what are the trends, which is obviously driven off consumer demand. So that's that's the first part. The next part is I think that brands need to use their own direct-to-consumer, and I'm taking a bit of a segue here, is what we notice is brands don't do a good enough job of saying, Hey, 
here is what's working on our online store. Here is what's working in other retail environments. And here's what it looks like as a total merchandise view. Mm -hmm. Because I think what happens is sales teams get into an appointment and they just show product after product after product. And you've essentially cut your assortment into just selling single items. And I think brands need to really think about how they sell outfits, looks, collections. Because let's be honest, when you walk into a retail store, it's sometimes 20% directional product that drives 80% of other purchases. You know, I know what I'm like. I see something cool in the storefront, I walk in, and I'll probably just go and buy a pair of navy pants, right, which I've always bought. And so it's that trend-based, you know, really information that is going to drive probably the bulk of your purchase. And it's really important that you're communicating what you're seeing to the retailer and the retailer will definitely tell you, especially big box retailers, will definitely tell you what the trends that they're seeing and be able to communicate that back. They all have fashion departments. So there's one big uh, American retailer that has, um, it would seem, doubled down with you, uh, which is Nordstrom. When did that happen? Can you tell us a little bit more about um, how that sort of came to pass? Yeah, so look, first of all, um, Nordstrom is very technically advanced. They have a really good understanding of their market. Um, they also are, um, you know, probably one of the nicest people in, in retail, if not business. And um, they, uh, you know, we, we've been talking to them for a number of years. And we said to them, if we go ahead and build this enterprise class assortment tool and platform, is that of interest? And the answer was yes, but no commitment. And so we took it upon ourselves and risk, you know, kind of bet the farm, for lack of a better description, on building uh, what is easily the, uh, you know, the best buying and assortment platform um, out there right now and, and said, okay, let's go and build this and then let's win the business. And that's what we did. You know, they did a, they did a pilot with a number of vendors. Um, it was decided that, uh, you know, we were the, you know, it was, it was the right choice for them. We launched it in November 2000 uh, last year, so 2018 November, and uh, from there um, it has just been a great relationship where they are uh, they introduce their suppliers to the platform. The supplier is now able to upload their catalog, and now Nordstrom is able to shop from that 24/7, 365, and then more importantly, be able to assort that. Um, into a, you know, think of it like a, a massive database that's visual, um, they're able to run any assortment filter and say, what does animal prints look like? And they can look at that. Or what does designer shoes going to look like for February? Hmm. Um, and so they're able to run those queries and see where they're over-assorted, where they're under-assorted. And then if they're under-assorted, then be able to go back to those brands digitally and type in a filter, which is, hey, I need more white blazers, so the query is white blazers, and it's going to show you the brands that are selling white blazers that they need to fill in. And so it's been a really successful relationship. We're very close with them. It's the first of its kind, so um, we're now rolling out with other retailers, um, you know, in the back half of this year. And, um, you know, Nordstrom was the first to first to jump. They really have created a line in the sand and, and you know, um, a light that, uh, you know, the industry definitely needed and, and you know, the backing that um, 
you know, we've always been, we always knew it was there. They just justified it. I think it's really interesting to talk to you uh, in particular about um, about Nordstrom because um, the arc of a development of or progression or evolution of the direct consumer brands um, has brought them uh, from saying originally we will never do retail uh, to now all opening retail stores of their own and then saying okay well we'll do retail but we'll never do wholesale. Um, and, you know, as recently as last week, you hear Andy Dunn talking about how being at Nordstrom uh, is incredibly important to their brand awareness. And it's a hugely impactful and powerful element um, of what he's doing today uh, with his brand or brands. Um, so the, the sort of the, the full circle of these DTC uh, digital natives um, saying, OK, well, now we do we have to get into wholesale. Um, and it's sort of this balancing act of saying well yeah you you know it's, it's just retail guys it's you got to you you started online but now you've got to learn the tools of 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 what they might consider being the 20th century but it's the it's the still the lion's share of the business and having a a really smart wholesale strategy a smart retail strategy and a smart digital strategy it all links into one thing which is brand building um and 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 smart growth of one's business have you experienced um, some of that with the digital natives? And um, can you share any stories? Yeah, absolutely. So Bonobos is on our platform. So, um, so uh, look, to be brutally honest, the digitally native guys, I think, um, you know, we're giving another plug here to Nordstrom. They've done a great job at, at making them feel warm and welcome and giving them an opportunity to dip their foot in the water for wholesale. Um, so, uh, you know, I think... That has been a good foray for those brands. Talking to uh, digitally native brands, though, a lot of them are thinking about wholesale. I think the thing that they're challenged with is how do they do it? Margin. Because they don't have sales teams. They don't have uh, merchandisers who enable those sales teams. They don't have the infrastructure to go and collect payments to handle different shipping requirements, etc. And um, I think that's the challenge that they face. Do you think they also believe? Sorry, just one thing. Do you think they also believe that they don't have enough margin to play in that territory, which I think is actually um, not always the case? Have you heard that at all? You always hear that. (laughs) You hear that from from uh, you know, call it a wholesale starting brand that's gone back into DTC. I think everyone talks about margin. Um, the, the reality is, though, is I understand from the DDC guys that, you know, they look at it and go, hang on a second, I've got a wholesale at this price, and then I may have to give, you know, marketing or markdown dollars or various other things. I think, you know, that is a head scratcher at the beginning. Yeah. But what you've got to look at is that to get your tentacles out there, um, you really do need that exposure, and you do need to be in those stores because – you know, let's say it's a brand new brand and while I'm in store buying a pair of rag and bone jeans, I then go and see, hey, that's a nice top and that's from a direct-to-consumer brand I didn't know about and that is a great part of customer acquisition. And when you ask a DTC brand about how much they spend on marketing and acquiring customers, yeah. um, you know, that's not in their, you know, probably in their thinking process about how important wholesale is as a, not just as a, um, you know, a marketing front, but actually an area where someone could actually try on your product, touch and feel, 
that's hugely valuable. Yeah, it's a, it's a discovery engine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I, I love your your term. They have to get their tentacles out there because that's that's what it is. There's so many points of distribution. It's it's a way of touching the consumer that is almost impossible to do it oneself, right? You, you, you look at how many retail outlets there are, and if you can get um, some strong relationships because you've got a strong direct-to-consumer brand or you know it's on the rise, and if you could get that into wholesale, I, you know, I could probably bet my bottom dollar it's not just going to improve you know, revenues because you're now wholesaling, it's also going to improve the direct-to-consumer side. Yep. And it's that old adage of, you know, what do they say? It's like, you know, advertising radio and TV work hand-in-hand. Hand. You just don't know which one's working. And, and <laughs> the reality is they're both working. And, and I think this is the case here is that, you know, I won't mention a brand's name, but they pulled out of wholesale. And, um, you know, talking to that brand and that owner, they mentioned to me, they said that their customers thought that they'd gone out of business or something bad had happened. Yes. And so it's really important that you have that exposure. And I know, you know, you probably, you know, brands will say to you, well, you know, we want to keep our exposure limited. Sure, I'm not saying that you need to be everywhere, but pick the right doors that are going to work with your direct-to-consumer strategy. And I have a feeling it's going to be a one plus one equals three equation. No question. I mean, I, I often refer to it as sustainable business. And, you know, I have to explain myself that I'm not, in this instance, talking about you know the environment, you know the sustainability of one's business is being able to allocate one's assets or allocate one's brand into different areas that can sustain the others, and and sort of it's a it's a self fulfilling prophecy um, if you make the allocations in a thoughtful way and a mindful way, um, so that they all support each other, and then it becomes a virtuous cycle. And if you cut off one of those limbs. Um, the others um, tend to find it harder to, to recalibrate. And I think, um, I think uh, again, coming back to the beginning of the conversation, people tend to be a little bit binary about, uh, you know, the, the latest shiny object, they go chase it. Uh, maybe it's DTC, maybe it's something else. Um, but I think the balancing act of having a robust wholesale business, a robust direct-to-consumer business, whether it be digital only or physical as well, um, and then obviously international and all the other sides of, of, of the of the question mark. Um, I think you're you're absolutely right. And you, know, you even said at the beginning of this this podcast that I think you said five. Do you say five hundred thousand retailers on the platform? Is that what you said? Yeah. And what what's crazy about that, Naughty, is you know that's growing about eight percent quarter on quarter. And you know, at five hundred thousand, that's a lot of retailers, right? So you know, I think. If, if I'm, you know, we could have had a month there just in the recent, you know, we're adding 25,000 retailers a month. And who knew? And in that, I want to be clear, like, you know, Amazon is counted once, Nordstrom's counted once, Macy's is counted once in that list. And, um, you know, there is a lot of retail out there. And uh, brands, you know, brands are, cap you know, capturing that, are looking at really smart brands are saying, okay, retail has changed. Where are the other points of sale that we can get into that are exciting for our customer, um, you know, great discovery areas, and how do we go in there and start to sell our product? Um, you know, I've, I'm very, very convinced that any brand would be able to find a bunch of new, uh, you know, wholesale accounts um, that are worthy of their time 
Um, but you just got to look a little different than going to, you know, uh, you know, market week and, and hoping they're all going to roll into your showroom and, and say hello. Yeah, hope, hope and a prayer. Um, Heath, we're, we're hitting the uh, top of our time together. So what I'd love you to, to just think about is as uh, if a CEO or a leader of, um, of a business is listening, um, what are the the headaches or the sort of the head-banging that you have to do that you wish people knew before you showed up at, at their offices? Like, What is the truism that um, you just would, would want people to take away from this and the few things that um, you want them to, to act upon? Okay, so a brand, um, you know, to make this quick is I think a brand needs to move away from a line sheet that they then sell from one by one by one. Uh, so if I'm a CEO of a brand, I should be thinking about what does a merchandise collection look like for each retail customer? So is it a top, a bottom? Um, you know, what does that look like? Where is some color pop? Where's that 20% directional product? Where is the product we're going to do, you know, the majority of the business in? What does that look like in a totality presentation? And then you should be using a digital tool to explain that, like us or you know someone else is showing that and saying, okay, retailer, here's what we know you're going to like this, this, and this, but we think you need to fill it in with also X, Y, and Z around it. And here's why that makes sense as a total story. And so that's the biggest mistake I see, you know, brand leaders fall into is they're so focused on creating products that products created and then they go to the sales process and they just get eaten alive because they're essentially being broken down to individual units rather than collections. And I think that that's not just going to benefit them, that's also going to benefit their retail partner. So that's on the brand side. On the retailer side, you know, retailers need to um, you know, one of the things that we see is um, they, uh, and I'm going to try and be as, as polite as we can here, is that they are stuck in Excel. Um, and Excel is a non-visual medium. Um, and they need to step beyond that. Because when you, um, when you step beyond that and you look at a visualized order or a visualized assortment, that's how your customer is going to shop. And so if I was a CEO of a retailer, I would be focusing maniacally on assortment. I think it's, it's, it's still the biggest area of opportunity for a lot of retailers that are maybe struggling is their assortment is just wrong. And so really focusing in and nailing in on, okay, why does this tell a great story? What is our point of view on that? Um, a customer may be shopping for an occasion. Have we got those occasions sorted? Have we got our price point sorted? thinking through that, getting back to really basics on a lot of that retailing, but doing so in a visual way rather than being stuck in Excel. So everyone's got to get out of the Excel pivot table to be to be successful. And I think that is a, a very, a very good place to end it. Um, Heath, you are uh, just one of the best and most good natured guys in the industry. And it's, uh, it's really fun to talk to you. It's so good to catch up. And uh, really, thanks a lot for doing the safari. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Morty. All right, bye, mate. I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. 
We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help think, manage and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies, we're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry. And it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io, where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. <laughs>